global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, a mixed picture for stocks. We're brought to you by national realty providers of 100% satisfaction guaranteed. New York City Realty Investments, see them at nria.net. Now, let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. There he is, Bill Maloney. Good afternoon, Charlie. Main U.S. averages are quiet today with the Dow currently higher by 16 points. S&Ps are unchanged and Nasdaq is lower by 12. Markets were lower over in Europe. Italy led to the downside, dropping 1.2%. Back in the U.S., the small cap 600 is down 2 points and the U.S. 10 yield at 1.47%. Seven out of ten SV sectors are higher, led by gains in utilities, telecom, and consumer staples. Energy financials and consumer discretionary fell. Dow Transports jumped 50. Nasdaq Biotech's dropped 35. And the VIX is down by 4%. Dow leaders included Microsoft, United Health Group, and Verizon, while Home Depot, Apple, and ExxonMobil led to the downside. Rail CSX reported intraday Q2 EPS and revenue beat. Shares gained as much as 4.5% and look for Yum Brands to report after the bell. Live from the first breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? All right. Thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk, SQUAWK on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Vladimir Putin uh, congratulated Theresa May today with her appointment as UK Prime Minister, hoping for some constructive dialogue with the UK. And, of course, uh, his relationship with leaders around the world, particularly the United States, is is a very important topic for investors. Uh, Russia has had its own share of challenges with the big run-up in oil prices and the big drop and so many more issues involvement in Syria. Where does Russia stand now? Where is the country heading? What should be investors be watching? We're very happy to have Richard Kahn joining us now. He's managing partner at Eurasia Advisors. It's a problem-solving and deal-making firm that focuses on Russia and the CIS, the Commonwealth of Independent States. Richard, welcome to Taking Stock. Thank you, Kathleen. So first of all, you have to tell us about you. You speak Russian. You studied there. You worked for Yeltsin's team when you started around the, and ran the Moscow office of the international law firm Latham and Walken. You did so much. Tell us about what took you to Russia and, and what you did have done there. In a nutshell, when I went to college, I had already learned a few um, of the Romance languages, and I wanted one really difficult language. I chose Russian because at the time I was very interested in chess, and uh, also, I enjoyed Russian literature, so it seemed to make some sense to me. But little did I suspect that it would lead to a lifetime of involvement with Russia. And you mentioned the word chess, and let's just be clear here. You ran for the 2010 deputy presidency of the World Chess Federation, so you're not just somebody coming new to the game, and you're not coming new to Russia. No, but I, I wish the loftiness of the position I sought in some way were related to my abilities in the game. I I play seriously, but there are a lot of people who play better. Well, so lucky thing it is, though, for those fine people, your Eurasia advisors, that you didn't become the grand champion or chess master right of the world, and you're you're working with them. So I'm going to hear a little bit more, though. So here's a guy who studies romance languages, and says, I can speak Russia in Russian in Russia, right? I you know I can see the places of Russian literature. But then, how do you take the step into law and business, and, and what has your focus been there? Well, I made 
the decision uh, years ago to go into law, and uh, this is back during the uh, Soviet time period, so there really wasn't much going on in U.S.-Russian business at that time. And I focused on law, and the law firm Latham & Watkins became an equity partner there, uh, practicing in areas such as uh, litigation, insolvency, wrote a, a book for lawyers on insolvency, restructuring, and ended up uh, uh, really, I guess you would say, almost out of the blue when Yeltsin came to power approaching the head of our law firm, uh, a gentleman who it turned out had studied some Russian, about the idea of going over to be part of the transition, both for purposes of business development, of course, for a law firm, uh, Latham being one of the largest law firms in the world, uh, but also uh, to be of assistance uh, during that time period to Russia. And the firm was extremely supportive. As far as Brexit and their, its role in the European Union vis-a-vis Russia, I mean, you've got these two uh, geographical extremes. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what the vote means for internal European relations and Russia as it kind of tries to find its role in, in Europe? Well, uh, I would start by saying that certainly uh, the, the classic view right now is that Russia is doing all that it can to uh, assist in the dismemberment of the EU. And because they uh, certainly from one perspective view the uh, sanctions that are currently in place as in part sustainable because of uh, the uh, cohesion of the EU in uh, supporting uh, that effort. And so from that perspective, Brexit could be viewed as welcome news uh, to Putin and those who take that view. I would add, though, that China takes a very different view of it. Uh, they take the perspective that the EU is an excellent counterweight to the U.S., and they feel that it's helpful to have uh, that in existence and that uh, were the EU to break apart or uh, to at least slowly disintegrate, that ultimately that would, um, frankly, make it more uh, uh, amenable for the U.S. to have its views uh, in the world. So mm-hmm. uh, so you, you can take take different slices of it. But in the short term, Russia certainly is focused on getting sanctions out of the way and wants to peel off uh, you know, from a short-term strategic uh, perspective, as many countries as possible uh, to uh, to weaken uh, sanctions and view that as leverage as part of the resolution of the Ukrainian situation. Getting breaking news now from the U.K., the appointment everyone has been waiting for. David Davis appointed chief minister for Brexit by Theresa May, the new prime minister. And, of course, everyone has said that the most important position that she would be announcing is that of Brexit czar. So we're watching that very closely as Theresa May takes over as prime minister of the U.K. today. Richard Kahn is our guest. He's managing partner at Eurasia Advisors talking to us about uh, Russia, uh, frosty relationships with the U.S., and interesting that China, when China looks at Brexit, they see a possibility for the EU to offset the influence of the United States in the world. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by the accountants and advisors at Eisner Ampers. Cybersecurity is on the mind of every business leader. Managing cyber risk should be, too. Get started with a cyber risk assessment. Learn more. EisnerAmper.com slash cyber risk.
Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. Coming up on Taking Stock, we're going to be speaking about Secretary of State John Kerry. He will be meeting Russia's top diplomat and possibly President Vladimir Putin in Moscow later this week. The topic, Syria's civil war and the future of Bashar al-Assad. We've got more details. We're going to be turning now to our Bloomberg newsroom for Charlie Pellet. He's got another Bloomberg business flash. And I thank you very much, Kathleen Hayes. Thank you, Pim Fox. The Dow is higher. S&P and NASDAQ both trading lower. We're brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Well, a couple of uh, key appointments today from the U.K.'s new prime minister, Theresa May. Boris Johnson, the former London mayor, has been named foreign minister. And now they have a Brexit czar. Minutes ago, we learned that David Davis, who advocated British withdrawal from the European Union, will be given the official title of Secretary of State for exiting the European Union. Federal Reserve in its Beige Book report said the U.S. economy expanded at a modest pace since mid-May amid, quote, slight price pressures and some softening in consumer spending. Oil tumbled after a government report showed U.S. fuel inventories unexpectedly grew, adding to concerns about oversupply. Todd Colvin is senior vice president at Ambrosino Brothers. You've got the pre-Brexit look at oil, and then you've got the post-Brexit look at oil. And, and I use that as a line in the sand because all the markets have really changed and corrected since then. Oil has been no different except for oil is such a two-headed beast. It, it trades supply and demand. It trades on geopolitical risks, and it trades on disruptions, production, you name it. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, down 4%, 44.94 a barrel right now. Gold up 8.60 the ounce to 13.43, a gain of six-tenths of 1%. The 10-year up 10.30 seconds yield there, 1.47%. S&P 500 index flat. Dow up 18, a gain of 0.1%. NASDAQ down three-tenths of 1%. 3.32 on Wall Street. Now let's take a look at other news from around the world. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Jill Schneider. This news update is brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. British Prime Minister Theresa May has started assembling her new government, appointing Philip Hammond as Treasury Chief. Hammond is the former Foreign Secretary. He replaces George Osborne, who had held the job for six years. Osborne had resigned from the government. She also appointed Amber Rudd as Home Secretary. Funerals are being held today for three of the five Dallas police officers killed last week. Pastor Rick Lamb addressed those gathered to mourn DART Officer Brent Thompson at the Potter's House Church in Dallas. Today is about Brent, and today is about trying to bring some closure and trying to help this family.
Thompson's wife, Emily, also a Dallas police officer, spoke at the service, saying she will put on her uniform and return to policing the streets. A federal appeals court has denied Tom Brady's attempt to get a new hearing on his deflate gate suspension. A three-judge panel said in April that NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was within his powers when he suspended the star quarterback four games for his role in a scheme to doctor the footballs used in a playoff game. Some subway riders need to exercise patience as they wait for their trains today. The MTA is reporting extensive delays on the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 lines. City officials say a power outage at a rail control center is to blame. No word on when service will be restored. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Jill Schneider. This is Bloomberg. Charlie? And we thank you. And again, recapping uh, stocks advancing now with the S&P 500 index up a point. Little change to 2153. That's a gain of less than 0.1%. I'm Charlie Pelleton. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Russia. Russia's stock market is actually up nearly 10% so far this year. This comes despite economic sanctions because of Russia's role in ongoing tension in Ukraine. Here to tell us more about Russia, its relationship with Europe and the United States is Richard Kahn. He is managing partner for Eurasia Advisors. He joins us here in the studio. Richard, in your work in uh, Russia, I wonder if you could tell us their perception of the United States and Americans? Well, I'd, I'd first break it apart because obviously there's no one view, as you might imagine. Russia has its equivalent of red and blue states, has you know far greater level, levels of education in the cities and there are business communities, and then you have the ruling elite in the country. I would say generally, and this is held all the way through from the period when I was over there back in the Soviet days, uh, there is a tremendous level of respect and admiration for the United States. Uh, that really has not changed, in my view, notwithstanding the uh, current, or I said the last two years, sort of, of a nationalistic type of push within uh, within Russia. You know, at the leadership level, I think there's uh, likewise uh, begrudging admiration and respect, but uh, uh, similarly a uh, a sense that that is not reciprocated, that uh, they're treated uh, discourteously and disrespected. Uh, so there is uh, a certain level of animosity, uh, bruised egos, uh, that plays a significant role, actually, I think, in the relationship, uh, even in the, the way things played out in Ukraine uh, years yeah. ago. Well, that's what you're making me think of, because that's there's such a different view. If you – the U.S., uh, Crimea, annexing Crimea, wrong, you can't do that, you just grab something, Putin – Russia saying, hey, wait a minute, that's really ours. We're just taking it back. You know, it's uh, how, how do you understand it as someone who lives in both worlds and understands both so well? Well, I I think notwithstanding all my time there, I will never understand Russia the way Russians do. But I uh, uh, I do feel that the Russian perspective is not particularly well understood in the West. Uh uh, and again, it's, I'm not justifying it, but I can certainly say their view is close to what you said, that there is a, a history of uh, both of the relationship with Ukraine and with Crimea that even predated the Soviet period. Uh, and that, uh, of course, they've had for a long time and, you know, a large naval in- installation on Crimea. Uh, their perspective is we have some whatever 700 
military bases in the world. They've got two with Syria and uh, and Crimea, and they were certainly loath to see that uh, um, be part of a Western-leaning Ukraine. Um, and I think from their perspective, uh, you know, they felt, <clears throat> and there's no question in, uh, that this is their view because they've expressed it many times, uh, that they were essentially double-crossed by the West in connection with how Ukraine was handled, that a deal had been reached with the West regarding the treatment of Yanukovych and the process that would be followed. And they they blame us essentially for uh, the uprising that took place. They do not for a moment believe that this was a spontaneous act by the citizens of Ukraine. Uh, now, our perspective is quite different than that. Uh, but the Russians certainly feel that uh, that Ukraine never, or in, Ukraine never really, in their mind, uh, uh, has been outside of Russia. Uh, they uh, had viewed until recently it as being necessarily part of their sphere of influence, and they've been very uncomfortable and have signaled that to have the buffer zone there uh, taken away from them. And vis-a-vis Crimea, you know, they point to the history of Khrushchev essentially symbolically giving it to Ukraine at a point when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. And so from their perspective, uh, that really was a non-event. And again, you tie that together with the military aspects and uh, what they view as, as our uh, getting into their neighborhood. They were they're quite uncomfortable about it. Now, you add all that together, there might be a solution, but, but for the fact that the Ukrainians, certainly in the West and maybe now 85 percent of the country, themselves want to be facing westward. They, they, they've made that quite clear. And so once you consider the perspectives of the individuals living in the country, that dramatically complicates any sort of, a, uh, if you will, a superpower type solution. Um, and therein lies part of the dilemma. Not, not that we should focus exclusively on problems, but because uh, I think there's a lot of common issues we can focus on. But, uh, but that one certainly is uh, going to remain a problem for some time into the next administration. Um, Secretary of State John Kerry. He will be meeting uh, in Moscow later this week, uh, perhaps with the President Vladimir Putin, but certainly with the foreign uh, minister, talking about Syria. Uh, is there any way, based on your understanding of the situation, that there can be some kind of coordinated effort on the part of the Russians and, the, and Americans on Syria? Yeah, I think both countries have done a, a good job in trying to focus on uh, the positive elements of, of cooperation in Syria. And... Uh, obviously, this has been far from perfect. There's, um, as you no doubt have noted, a, a deep level of distrust between the U.S. and Russia right now that's spilled over even into the uh, diplomatic realm. Uh, but I do think uh, that uh, that they can make headway with Syria. It can be an example of, uh, of an area of cooperation. Uh, but I don't think we need to limit our areas of cooperation to the problem points. All right, Richard Kahn, thank you so very much for joining us, Managing Partner at Eurasia Advisors. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. This is Taking Stock, and this is Bloomberg. Coming up on Taking Stock, Jack Ablin. He's the Chief Investment Officer for BMO Private Bank. We want to know what to do with your money to make more. That's next. That's next.